Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So uh, for those uh, just counting your room quickly, um, I know all of you guys in the room. So it's awesome to see you guys. I uh, missed you guys last week, uh, Sunday. Um, we spent some time with uh, our other family. You guys are our, um, our other family. When we were with that family, you are our other family. And when we were with you, that's our other family. Um, so uh, we, we spent some uh, time with family um, after my brother's wedding on Saturday. And it was a special time, really significant. And I'm really thankful for that. And uh, I know that you guys were blessed last week. I was blessed by listening to Shane's message online. And uh, I know it was a challenging word, but a good word is... It was a challenging word, so uh, I know you guys were challenged, so it was a good word last week. And uh, if you missed out on the teaching, you're welcome to just get it on, on SoundCloud, uh, but it will also be part of the series that we are busy with called A Life of Praise. So just a quick recap, just want to look at two verses that Shane covered last week. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Um, the scriptures will also be on the screen, but uh, please uh, make some notes, open up your phone, read the, the Bible on your, on, your, on your phone or in your physical Bible, and then uh, jot down some notes as well as to what stands out for you, what blesses you, what isn't uh, challenging you from this. It's always good to go to the Word and not just uh, be encouraged and, and be like, wow, that's, that's amazing, that's a blessing, wow, um, God is so good. But to ask the question, like, uh, in light of this truth, how is my life lining up with this? In light of this truth, is there any course corrections that I need to make? Um, because uh, all of us in this room, me included, I need daily course corrections. And uh, uh, you also need daily course corrections. But the, the thing is this, that God doesn't force the course correction on you. You need to invite His input. You need to invite Him to come and enable you to do that course correction. So 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, who will, and this is talking about the will of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto knowledge of the truth. This is the perfect will of God, for all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of the truth. So there's salvation, receiving Christ, receiving the gift of salvation, and there's the, then there's a growing of knowledge in the truth. And that's something that all of us are invited to and... Um, all of us aren't always partaking of that. Not all of us are, are, are even opening ourselves up to have the body of Christ in this setting or in life group or in one-on-one -on -one settings uh, invite that growing of knowledge in the truth. And so this is vitally important for us. Then uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, and uh, in, in 1 Timothy also, the awesome truth with this is, this is God's will, all men to be saved, to come to knowledge of the truth. It's a beautiful thought to have is, that we get to, each one of us, gets to make God's dream become a reality. Each one of you sitting here this morning, you have an impact to make God's dream a reality. Imagine that, like, God, the creator of the, the heavens, the earth, our Father, we get to make His ultimate dream become a reality daily. How do we do that? By inviting people into the family of God. Because God's will is for men to be saved. And how do people get saved? By angels preaching the gospel or by uh, um, the pastor going out and saving the world and preaching the gospel? No, by every believer taking up their call as witnesses, as ambassadors, preaching the gospel, making disciples. And that's how salvation comes to be. 
And then the growing in knowledge of the truth is also through that. You taking up your responsibility to share what you are learning in church, in your personal devotion, in life group. Taking that out into the world. Looking for opportunities. Praying for opportunities. And then sharing that. That is how you make God's dream a reality. Maybe you've never made God's dream a reality. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, like I've, I've missed out on this. Like I'm just kind of thought... I just needed to res- respond to the message of grace and then I did my job. That's unfortunately where a lot of the, the body of Christ is today and that's why this, the, the world is in the state that it is. The world's not in the state that it is because of anything other than people living separated from God, living separated from the Spirit of God, living in, unbroke, living in broken fellowship with God. And we get to bring that broken fellowship, we get to bring them into that relationship with God through the ministry of reconciliation which is the message of the gospel sharing that with someone and getting them to respond to that and that's an amazing privilege that's an amazing honor that's the the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life if you don't believe me go and try it I challenge you if you don't believe me that it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do with your life by sharing the gospel with someone And maybe they're not going to be receptive immediately. Maybe they're going to reject it. And then you put them on your hit list. What is a hit list, you might ask? Uh, It's a list of people that you're praying for who has not yet responded to the gospel of grace, who has not yet responded to this message of salvation. Then you pray for them. And then you uh, allow them to ask questions. And if you don't have the answers to the questions, then you go do studying. And then you come back with the answer. And then you share with them again. And then you go backwards and forwards. And I've got two uh, Muslim friends that I'm currently... um, they're not really friends. One is a client at the coffee station, and then the other one I met uh, on the airplane uh, on the way back from Albania when we came home. And uh, I've been more intentional this last week in, in looking for opportunity to have spiritual conversation with them, sharing my faith with them, challenging on some of their beliefs, have, opening them up to ask me questions as well. And then I have to go study it out, and I give them the, 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 the answers. So it's super important to be intentional about these things and uh, to go for it, because this is God's will, and we get to make His dream a reality. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are God's chosen che- treasure priest. <laughs> but you are God's chosen treasure priests, who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience His marvelous light, and now He claims you as His very own. He did this so that you would broadcast His glorious wonders throughout the world. So why did he do this? So that you can uh, have fire insurance? Yes, that's part of it. What do I mean by fire insurance? Um, as the, like, you're not, you're not, you're not going to experience a separation from God and hell and all of that uh, that we see in the Bible. But it's more than that. He did this so that you would share the glorious wonders throughout the world, the message of the gospel throughout the world. So there's a purpose behind your salvation it's not just for you to live for all of eternity it's for you to have an impact in this life here right now make heaven a reality on earth how do we make heaven a reality on earth do we do that by by uh, feeding programs do we do that by eradicating poverty do we do that by having less criminal activity none of that that's a fruit of something Poverty is a fruit of something. Crime is a fruit of something. 
What is that a fruit of? Living separated from God's nature. Not knowing our Father, our Creator, and living in our purposes. It's very simple, right? Christianity is actually super, super simple, but the problem with a lot of Christianity is that people aren't growing in the knowledge of the truth, so Satan is keeping a lot of Christians busy with a lot of things that aren't producing any fruit. Maybe you're one of those Christians, busy with a whole lot of things that's not producing any eternal fruit. What do I talk about when we talk about eternal fruit? It's souls being drawn out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because this is what happened to us. God, we've been called out of darkness to experience His marvelous light. Now, why are we going to keep that to ourselves? Christianity isn't self-centered, guys. God never intended Christianity to be self-centered. But if, it's, if your version of Christianity is all about what can you get from God and the dreams that God wants to fulfill through your lives and the goals that God wants you to achieve, it's just self-centered most of the time. And Shane shared on this last week, talking about our birthright in Christ and how God has called us into this. And this is what a life of praise is all about. Understanding our sonship, being called into a family business, being called to maturity and responsibility. Let's say maturity together. Maturity. Who of you desires more maturity in your Christian walk? Cool, most of you are. Those of you who didn't raise your hands, uh, if, if you'd like to receive Christ, um, then we'll, we'll pray for you. Because this, is the, the, this should be des the desire of every Christian to mature in the things of God, to grow up in the things of God. Because we see this throughout the Bible, we see this throughout the Word. Jesus says that you will bear much, or you will bring much glory to my Father when you bear much fruit. Much fruit is talking about maturity. It's growing in your sonship. And this is God's desire for us. But a desire on itself is not enough. We need to uh, have more than just a desire. Because most Christians, even most of you that put up your hands, you desire something, but whether you are maturing is another thing completely. Who's determining the maturity? Me up front, the pastor, the teacher. Who determines the maturity in your life? Tag, you're it. You're the one that determines your maturity. You're the one that has the, 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 the greatest impact in whether you're maturing in your Christian walk with God or whether you're not. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 25. So we, uh, that was uh, just a quick recap, and I didn't cover 1% of what Shane got into last week. And so you need to go and get the teaching online if you want to get the, the, the full spectrum. So Genesis chapter 25, verse 30 to 34. And if you thought that this was going to be a, um, a comforting word this morning, then uh, I'm going to tell you so long so that you don't, uh, get disappointed. It's not going to be a comforting word. It's going to be a challenging word. Um, it's going to be a word of challenge. It's going to be a word of exhortation into more fruitfulness. And when we respond appropriately and we respond to the love of God, we get to effortlessly lean into this fruitfulness and grow into this regard. Genesis 25, 30-34, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. 
Therefore was his name called Edom. Just hold on a moment for me. His name was called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, we see this uh, just an explanation of what happened here, more so in Hebrews chapter 12. So let's go there, and then I'll elaborate a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 to 17, from the Passion Translation. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. So this is recorded for us. Can we miss the revelation of God's grace? Yes. So we need to watch out. Otherwise, we'll miss the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with the root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Be careful that no one among you lives in immortality or immorality, becoming careless about God's blessings. Can one become careless about God's blessings? Yes. That's why it's been down for us. We need to watch out for becoming careless about God's blessings. What is this carelessness all about? Like Esau, who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. And we know that later on, when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with bitter tears, for it was too late then to repent. So Esau became careless of God's blessings. What was that blessing? Shane talked about this last week. What was the blessing that Esau was careless about? So many Christians are careless about today. It's not wealth. It's not material possessions. It's your calling as a son to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. A messenger of hope, a messenger of the gospel of Christ. Now some of you are not, are not maybe careless in this very, like, very blunt, very plain way that, that Esau might have been. Selling his birthright for, for a meal. But maybe some of you are careless with your, with your blessing, your, your, your sonship, your ambassadorship, your witnessing by buying into and investing into everything other than the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about finances, even though finances are important. Finances, as, a, as Jesus said, that finances are the least use of our faith, and also where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So the things that we're valuing, financially speaking, is an indication of what you value, what you're purposing, what you're investing into. Esau became careless about God's blessings. And he gave it away. He neglected it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 says, Now all these things serve as types and pictures for us lessons that teach us not to fail in the same way by callously craving worthless things. So what's the purpose of these things? What's the purpose of looking at the Old Testament examples? For them to serve as examples. Now, you can either learn from an example or you can look at an example and be like, oh, that will never happen to me. Who's ever uttered those words? That will never happen to me. And then guess what? It happened to you. 
We have to be super intentional because the fact of the matter is that we've got an enemy and he's all about distracting us. He's all about getting us, buying into and investing into things that that's a direct picture of us being careless about our blessing. The blessing of God's Spirit in us and His desire through that Spirit to reach the world. Say, God wants to reach my world through me. Now, it's one thing to hear that, it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to believe it. And I want you to believe it. Because guess what? It's only by when you're believing it that it becomes a reality in your life. And that's why it's super important to get into the Word. Romans 10, 7, he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's a continuation of hearing the Word, being washed with the Word. And then the Word becomes your authority of your life. And remember, what happened to Esau? He sold his birthright, and then later on he regretted selling his birthright. But it was too late. There's going to come a time when it's too late for you to repent. I'm not talking about salvation, guys. This is not talking about salvation. When you're saved, you're saved. You're a child of God. It's not going to change. But whether you're maturing as a child of God is another thing. And Shane talked about this last week, and... And we believe in, uh, in light of the scripture, all tears will be wiped away from our eyes in heaven. The only thing that it could correlate to and make sense to be uh, an indication of is the opportunities that we missed here on earth. There are many opportunities in the lives of significance we could have lived if we did not despise our birthright. The blessing of God that is given to us, the privilege and the honor as ministers of the New Testament, of ministers of reconciliation. I don't want to stand in heaven one day and, and have tears wiped away from our eyes. There's enough tears here on earth. I don't want to go and cry in heaven, right? I want to be welcomed in with welcome, good and faithful servant. It's a privilege to serve God. It's not, a, it's not a matter of bondage and shackles. It's a, it's a matter of sonship, understanding that I get to serve my father. The same with my two sons, Chris and, um, <laughs> Chris and uh, Michael. As I'm thinking about my sons, I'm thinking about Elliot and uh, William up front here, and I, I want to say their names. Um, it's the same with the two of them. It's a, it's a, they're going to grow up and see it as a privilege to to do things for their father, to do things for their mother, and get a while down. Thank you, son. Thank you uh, for, your, for your service, for what you're doing. And that's God's desire. And if we understand family in its proper place, it's going to be a privilege for us too, to serve God, to be co-laborers with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all stand before Christ to be judged. What judgment is this talking about? Probably not the one you're thinking of. So let's see. Everyone will get what they should. They will be paid for whatever they did, good or bad, when they lived in this earthly body. Now, we need to study Scripture in the context of the passage, in the context of the letter, and then obviously in the context of the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And what is the message of the Bible? The message of the Bible is salvation through faith alone, through what God has made available to us. So this good works that it's talking about is not salvation. 
So why does this good works or bad works that it's talking about? The only good works that we get to do here on earth is that of soul winning. That which is on God's will for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. That is the only thing that falls into the camp of good works. Now there are good things that you can do in this life. But if it's not impacting eternity, it's not the good works that the Bible is talking about. If an unbeliever can do it, it's not the good works that the Bible is talking about. Some of you aren't getting what I'm saying. If an unbeliever can do it, then it's not the good works that the Bible is talking about, that God desires for you more than anything else. So let's make it plain. Can an unbeliever start a soup kitchen? I've got nothing against soup kitchens. We've got nothing against soup kitchens, guys. But if an unbeliever can do it, it's not the good works that the Bible is talking about. Now you can, as a Christian, start a soup kitchen to bring people in and then share the gospel with them. That an unbeliever cannot do. An unbeliever cannot share the gospel with someone and uh, invite them into the, 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 the kingdom of God because they don't know what it is about. And so that is the good works that will stand in front of God for one day, the good works that we've done or the bad works. Some translations say the bad works. And uh, I want to see here quickly. There's another translation. I don't have it on the screen. Some translations talk about the worthless deeds. That's a better description. Because there might be good things that you're doing right now which is worthless. And I know it can be depressing thinking about that. But it can also be liberating. Because guess what? You can, you can stop that worthlessness today. I can't do it for you. You're the only one that gets to determine the good things, the good works that you're partaking of today or the worthless things that you're partaking of. Are we esteeming our birthright? Are we esteeming our calling and the blessing of God in our lives? Are we selling the, the price that Jesus paid? Are we selling the sacrifice Jesus made for us? Are we selling it short for all of these material carnal things in this world like Esau did? A bowl of soup. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Now God has equipped us to be capable servants of the new covenant, not by authority of the written law, which only brings death, but by the Spirit who brings life. We are, each one of us, it's not just the, 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 the full-time minister, it's each child of God, every believer is called into this. This ministry, capable servants of the New Testament. Do we have respect for our ministry? Or are you just kind of taking it nonchalant? Whatever will be, will be. Okay, surah, surah. Are you taking responsibility? Are you purposing your maturity as a Christian, as a child of God? Are you purposing it? What did the great Marvel say in Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. You've got great power. You've got great ability. But there comes a responsibility with that. What are you doing with what you have? Are you just sitting on your blessed assurance? 
Are you purposing daily to, to be about your father's business? Again, I'm challenging you. This is the most rewarding thing you'll ever do with your life. Not standing up front, ministering and uh, equipping the saints for our works of ministry. Yes, that's, it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying this. It's, it's, a, it's rewarding for me. But man, when I'm sharing with the Muslims, engaging with them about Christ and the reality and the truth of who God is, that's the most rewarding thing that I can ever do. I know you don't believe me. Some of you don't believe me. Go and try it. Go and try it. I challenge you. It's going to be awesome. Maybe you'll mess it up the first time. If you mess it up, you can go back to the drawing board. You'll never know until you try. The Christian church is unfortunately also pacified and just made a lot of Christians just very What's the word I'm looking for? Um, just inactive. Because we, we're wanting always to be overqualified. We're wanting to first know the whole Bible, be able to quote, quote at least a hundred scriptures before I share with anyone. No. God's not requiring that of you. He's requiring your availability. Make yourself available. You'll start seeing amazing things happen in your life. Make yourself available and start sharing what you do know. And the rest will come. Especially if you're in this family, in this church. Because we're going to equip you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to point you to Christ. And you'll grow. You'll mature. If you humble yourself. Guaranteed. I'm seeing this in so many of your guys' lives. Some of you not. Just joking. <laughs> now I'm joking. You guys are doing really well. And uh, well done for, for sitting under the word. And purposing your, your growth. But there's more for us. Amen. There's more growth for us. There's more maturing for us. David said this, and we see this throughout the Bible. We see this in Abel. He, didn't, he, uh, he, he had respect for his birthright. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, all of these guys had respect for their birthright, the blessing, the promise of God, the calling of God on our lives. David said this, Psalm 67 verse 2, Send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all mankind. Send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all mankind. This is powerful. If this becomes the anthem of your life, send me into my world. You don't need to go into all the world per se. You just need to go into some world. Go into your world. Send me into my world, Jesus, with your news of your saving power and your eternal plan for mankind. Let this become the anthem in each of our lives. Isaiah said, Isaiah 6 verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And then I said, Yeah, I am. Send me. What does God need? Availability. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Speak through me. It's complicated, right? No. It's very simple. It's so simple that we often just miss it. It's so simple that we, we just think that, man, that doesn't seem right. This is the Bible. The Bible is simple. If it's complicated, you're most likely misinterpreting it, and you're not interpreting it through the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ. So the question is this. 
If you've heard the Lord's call, and if you've been in, in Grace Life for just two weeks, you would have heard the Lord's call. You would have heard it last week. You're hearing it now. God doesn't need to audibly speak to you. Stephen, I'm calling you. Henku, I'm calling you. I guess there, there might be specifics that he's calling you to, like a, a specific country and things like that. Might, he might reveal it to you. But we don't have to wait for those specific calls of direction before we are going and before he's using us. Because if you've got people around you, those people either have not received Christ and they're not saved yet, or they're needing to grow in their knowledge of the truth. So whichever way you're looking at it, there are people around you that need to hear something about Christ, about His, His message and His purpose for our lives. Now the cool thing again with hearing God's voice and hearing about His direction and His purpose for our lives the, the cool thing about hearing any form of good news, hearing any gospel, uh, hearing any instruction, hearing any uh, invitation from God, you'll always sit in one of two camps with regards to hearing from God, hearing His voice. You'll either sit in the camp of being called a wise man or in the camp of being called a fool. It's, it's only one or two. You'll either be called a wise man or you'll be called a fool. And guess who determines that for you? You. As, as, as it is in most, most cases in life. When, you, you've, um, when people see you as a wise man or if people see you as a fool, it's not because of anyone else's decisions. It's because of your decisions. The choices you are making. And in light of the gospel, Matthew 7, we see Jesus sharing an amazing parable with us. The, the, the wise man who built his house on the rock and then the fool who built his house on the sand. Now, the amazing thing with, with that parable is that both the wise man and the fool heard the same instruction. They heard the same voice. But the one acted, responded to, and aligned his life in accordance to, and the one said, that's cool, but I'm going to do something else. Maybe that's you today. You're hearing this, this message of your birthright, your purpose, your calling, and you're thinking, that's cool, but it's not for me. Guess in what camp you're sitting? Not a trick question. A big F. Fool. I don't want to be mean or rude. Like, I've been a fool at times in my life. Like, I've been a fool. Probably this past week. Probably this weekend. <laughs> like I asked my wife. I was probably a fool at some point. Um, <laughs> but praise God, we, we get to daily make decisions in line with this calling, God's purpose, His intention for our lives. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and we're slowly but surely coming to a close. We see this about Paul being conscious about his ministry and being focused on this. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says, Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. I'm persuaded by God. It's not, this compelled often can seem like a, a negative word, a, a forceful word. And God isn't forcing us. That's why some of us are, are sitting here not doing anything about it. I'm I just said some of us. I didn't say all of you. God doesn't force us. He doesn't overpower us to do something. But He's compelling us. He's persuading us. You're being persuaded right now through the Word, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's prompting you in your hearts. 
I'm, try, I'm prompting your flesh a little bit as well, provoking you. It's good to be provoked. The Bible talks about this, poking. We need to poke one another. Like that uncomfortable nudge in the ribs. Like, you're like, oh, it's uncomfortable. It's like, I want to put, a, I wanna put a, um, a small rock in your shoe. I want to put a small rock in your shoe so that you leave here feeling like, it's uncomfortable. Like, because it's through that that you go out into this world and you're thinking about, man, there's more to life than, than what I've, I've settled for. And that life is a life living out my birthright, what God has called me to, living in perfect union with Him, but also from that place, maturing as a son into the family business, which is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How, ter- how terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. How terrible for you if you're not preaching the good news. Why is it terrible? Because you're missing out on something. And one day in heaven, you'll have tears on your eyes. And not, not the kind of tears that you probably have had here on earth. I don't know how it's going to look in heaven. I don't know what kind of tears it's going to be. But I can't imagine it's going to be good. But by God's grace, it will be wiped away and you'll get over it. I don't know how long it's going to take for you to get over it because eternity is pretty long. And it's not God being rude or being mean to us. It's us just coming to a realization of what life is about and what is at stake. And I sing fully and clearly in heaven what this life was about and what we missed out on. And we need to all purpose in our hearts, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to despise my birthright, what God has called me into. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 from the Passion. For one day we'll all be openly revealed before Christ on His throne, so that each of us will be duly recompensed for our actions done in life, whether good or worthless. So again, one day there will be a judgment. And that judgment is going to be about the works we've done, the good or the worthless. And like I said, if it's about salvation and helping people grow into knowledge of the truth, it's classified as good. If it's anything else, worthless. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very easy uh, differentiation between good and worthless. It's not complicated. It's not 500 different things that is called good. If it falls within the bracket of salvation and knowledge of the truth, and that is pointing to Christ, you're on the good path. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 to 14 from the voice. And when all is said and done, here is the last word. Okay, so listen. When all is said and done, here is the last word. What's the last word, guys? What's the thing we need to remember? Worship and reverence the one true God and keep His commands. For this is what, what, this is what God expects for every person. For God will judge every action, including everything done in secret, whether it be good or evil. Again, people take this uh, passage of Scripture and uh, just misinterpret it completely. Talking about the, the, the sin we've done and the, this bad thing and that bad thing and the... the, the, the 
the big screen that's going to come out with the, the video recorder of all of the bad you've done and all of the sinful actions and this and that. It's talking about the good works and the worthless works in this life. That we'll be standing in God's presence being judged for that. And this is our our birthright, and we get to either as Esau despise it and sell it short for whatever you fill in the blank, or we get to live it out and take full advantage of what God has called us, invited us into. And this is the whole purpose of the new creation plan of God for each one of us. This is the reality of Christianity. It's not about Receiving the Spirit of God and then making a lot of money, even though that's fun, making money is it's good. and it's, we, we enjoy receiving your, your gifts and uh, we enjoy uh, working the gifts into the kingdom of God. So there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money, but if that is all you're doing and if you think that your Christian, uh, your, your Christian living is limited to just making money, you're missing the plot. If it's not about impacting people's eternities, you're busy with evil works, worthless works. But if you purposing and you you are leveraging your your finances and your Christian business and all of that to impact the employees you've got or your uh, uh, your co-workers and even financially advancing the kingdom of God. And you're busy with the, the right thing. But we need to be honest with ourselves and, and allow the Holy Spirit to nudge us and prompt us if, we, if we're going astray a little bit. Because oftentimes we start on the right track, right? And we, we've got the right intention, the right motivation. And then slowly but surely we start deviating. Of course, a little bit, a little bit. And then in 20 years' time, where you are and where you started off is completely off. That's why we need one another. We need the body of Christ. We need that sharpening. We need to receive that instruction, be challenged, be open to it. And through that, we can stay on course. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca